0: Hasn't this been great? We're not there yet. We don't have a full orchestra, but these great strings. Who would have thought a hundred people would have looked full? I mean, this is just great. We're inching our way uh, back to what we uh, hope to get back to soon. Our our story today, passed down to us from our ancestors in the faith, is found in the 24th chapter of Joshua. Joshua. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates And served other gods. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Now, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did the great signs in our sight. He protected us along the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Have you ever considered this, that Abraham did not grow up Jewish? Abraham, right? No Yarmulke, no scroll, no Sabbath practices. Because Abraham was 100, his wife 90, when the promise came, when God enters covenant with Abraham and makes the promise of a people and a land and a heritage. So, growing up, most likely he gave homage to the pagan gods, the gods of Baal, like his daddy and his daddy before him. They didn't yet know the one true God, Yahweh, but aware of of some great mystery beyond, and so they created names and entities, the gods, plural, small g. Like Baal-Hadad, the storm god, the the god responsible for bringing the rains. Or Dagon, the god of the harvest. Well, it's not certain, but probable that Abraham spent most of his life worshiping the little icon symbols of the great mystery of what is beyond what we know. But what was unthinkable, just simply not considered, was a world with no enchantment, no transcendence. Through art and hieroglyphics and and icons, we know that every culture throughout human history has acknowledged a a, a second floor, a mystery beyond, has acknowledged God or gods. But But it wasn't until Abraham was an old man that the one true God revealed God's identity and purpose and set forth the redemptive plan for human history. And then it wasn't until Moses that we learned the name of this one true God, remember? From Exodus, Moses speaks to the divine and says, If if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Yahweh in Hebrew tell them I am sent you and then it is Yahweh who sends who leads Moses and the people of God from bondage from the Egyptian captivity into freedom and still still old traditions die hard most of the people in the journey had probably not fully given up the idea of many, many gods and they might have been toting a few statues along in their pocket just in case. Their experience with the great I am would probably uh, lead them to put Yahweh first on their list of gods, but you might keep a few gods in reserve just in case. It's good to know the number of a harvest, God, if you need one. They were hedging. And now a free people, they're being led by Moses into the promised land. But you know that Moses doesn't get to complete the journey. Moses dies before the travelers make the final leg and leadership is eventually passed to Joshua. And under Joshua's guidance, the tribes of Israel have continued on this journey until today's scripture. We get to the scripture today. They're on the brink of their realized promise. After after 40 years of wilderness wandering, they've arrived at Shechem in the modern-day West Bank. And they're soon to cross over into promise. Well, camped at Shechem, they... Unpack a few traveling necessities, maybe a plaything for the baby, a crude tent, a few essentials, a pocket full of little statues maybe just in case. But before entering, Joshua demands that they leave a few things behind. There are a few things, he says, that you just can't take with you on a trip across the River Jordan. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, and his sons Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. But again, notice the assumption. There's no question in anybody's mind about whether or not there is a reality beyond this reality. The default assumption is belief. In his groundbreaking work, A Secular Age, philosopher Charles Taylor traces that this is now the first time in all of human history that the default assumption is that there is no divine mystery behind this life. Even 500 years ago, he notes, that it was virtually impossible to not believe in God. And and Taylor's work spans the centuries, but we've watched it happen right here in our lifetime, haven't we? In the the Bible Belt, at least. In the Bible Belt, the, the default position, the default option, even just decades ago, was belief. In the 1960s, when I was born, this sanctuary was packed. Oh, some, po- some folks played hooky and, you know, went fishing on Sunday or even a Vegas weekend. But they were all believers. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a Norman Rockwell painting. There were still people who exploited others and cheated on their spouses and fudged the numbers at work. But they were still likely in church whether they took it seriously or not. People believed in God, if if not out of a deep conviction, at least out of a default option. Besides, it was the cultural expectation. You couldn't sell insurance or be elected to the school board if you were a blatant unbeliever. Belief in God was just in the air that we breathe. You might take it with a grain of salt, but you were attached to a church or a synagogue in this city. Well, because belief just was. It it, it was the given default position of our southern culture. But as Taylor's book argues, all that has changed. Unbelief, he says, has become for many the default option. I fear that he is right. 1,200 years before Jesus, Joshua gives the choice. In, In an era of assumed belief, Joshua says, now if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. We are the first generation in human history to operate under the assumption of unbelief. Or as Taylor says, we live with a cultural assumption of a disenchanted world. Nothing out there, it's just us, and now, and taxes. Joshua lays the clear choice out before the people. Before you wade across the Jordan River, before you enter the land promised to our ancestor Abraham, you have a choice to make. You can't go into our holy inheritance with a satchel full of little statues in your case. It's time to choose. Now, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The mission of Second Ponce is harder still. We're not asking friends in Atlanta, which God will you serve? Our first challenge is to address address a culture that simply does not believe there is any holy mystery out there. That it's just you and me and data reports and bubblegum. There was a time when we hoped that our neighbors would, would choose to come to Second Ponce, choose to come to our church instead of another church in town. Today, most of our neighbors aren't choosing to go to any church at all. And most of them aren't haters, I mean, years ago, and still, it's still somewhat true now, that there's some people who just refuse church. They're anti-church, anti-faith, anti-religion. But that's not so much true anymore. There's not a whole lot of anti out there. Because for most of the folks in our city, faith just doesn't register at all. Faith doesn't generate enough oomph to crusade against. I know that for some, the prospect of leading a life that includes worship and devotion and discipleship and generosity. I know that for some, that's just a hard, closed vault of rejection but it is not true for most of the folks I run into who operate every day without any awareness of the holy. For most people, I still see a pilot light on, a memory of Eden. Most of the unbelievers I know feel and wish and taste and yearn and reach for some mist of truth that's just beyond their reach. And they attend art shows and go to the symphony because there they can find just a momentary lift into some hopeful enchantment. But then they fold their arms and put their hard shoes back on and go to work. Pleasure and ambition never satisfy, but they keep at it. Drinking salt water to cure the thirst, all the while faintly wishing for what is right at hand. Some of you, some of you might be close to going with the new majority. More hiking and fishing and tennis and spa days if we don't commit to church every Sunday. Did you notice what happened in the text though when the decision, the call for decision was laid down? Choose this or that. The people gathered there at Shechem, played in the video of their imagination what they could remember about Yahweh. It might be worthwhile for all of us. They said, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the, age, from the land of Egypt. Maybe it's for us to remember to get back in touch with the times that God delivered us. They said, out of the house of slavery, do you remember the bondage you were in before you were saved? And who did those great signs in our sight? Can you remember the time you experienced God's favor, witnessed God at work. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. When did God protect us? And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in our land. And who were the enemies and what were the enemies in your life overcome by God's grace? They remembered a history of God's faithfulness before they claimed there is no other God. Recently, I played golf with a guy who for half a day uh, had not asked and had no idea what I did for a living. And then that's always a fun scene when they find out and go back trying to remember what they've said in the last three hours. <laughs> but anyway, when he found out that I was a minister, he this guy started his his. Response his kind of rehearsed response uh, like this. Let me tell you what I believe about religion. And I listened to his faith construct that, that, that could have been printed on a bumper sticker or at least squeezed into a shoebox where it could be stored in the garage. But in my mind, I kept thinking, this this sounds like let me tell you what i believe about gravity god's power and claim steadfast love and enduring grace are not true or not true based on our validation Either God is the great I am, the one who faithfully led the Israelites to freedom, the one who transcends time and space to reach down into our broken lives with bandages of grace, the one who has saved us from our own reckless selfishness, or God isn't. If you believe God isn't, then take your spreadsheets and your houseboat and find purpose in pleasure and achievement and the purchase of one more bauble. But if God is, then we fall on our face and worship the one true God who has delivered us time and time again and in whose love we find ourselves now if you're not willing to serve the Lord choose this day whom you will serve but as for me so go in the awareness that you are not alone go in the Truth that God's love is present in the great mystery beyond what we can touch. And go in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, Come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Postalian Baptist Church.